0: Welcome to the MVP podcast. Today is November 3rd, 2020. It's election day, so go out and vote. So we're going to kick off today with MVP talk with another NBA pre-draft breakdown. And this week we're going to talk about probably the top prospect in the draft, Anthony Edwards. So Anthony Edwards is a 6'5", 225 pound guard out of Atlanta, Georgia. He's got a 7-foot wingspan, which is massive, and he went to the University of Georgia to go play for Tom Crean. He decided to go there and play for Crean after Crean convinced him that he could develop him like he did with Oladipo and Dwayne Wade. So coming out of high school, Edwards was a McDonald's All-American and a top-five player in his class, and some people put him at number one. Not every website had him at number one, but a lot of them did. And then at Georgia, he was the SEC freshman of the year and was SEC all-second team before entering the NBA draft. So he's a big-body guard. If you want to compare his body size, his 6'5", 225-pound frame is on pace with P.J. Tucker and Malcolm Brogdon. P.J. Tucker is obviously plays stretch four, so that's a big body for a two-guard, and Brogdon's a point guard who's just thick but Edwards can jump on top of being just as thick and just as strong as those two guys. So just imagine like PJ Tucker with Victor Oladipo's bounce, just like getting off, like he's just going to be a big body that's going to be able to get through the get through the paint, attack, finish, finish through contact, and he's got some finesse moves as well, but he's just a big boy that's going to get up and dunk on you. So he shot 77% from the free throw line, which is really good. Um, and that is what people have been using to kind of predict what he could be as a shooter at the next level, because there's been a lot of guys that have shot the three well, like Lonzo and other guys, but didn't shoot free throws well. So even though he only shoots 29% from three, which isn't great, but isn't bad shooting almost 30% isn't terrible, but that 77% free throw percentage shows that he has a good jump shot and that his shot could. Could develop at the next level he just needs to work on it and get a little bit better but on top of that his 29 percent from the three-point line isn't as bad as it looks because he was really the only good player on Georgia so he was shooting a lot so I mean he shot up I think 7.7 threes per game so you're not shooting that many threes per game if you don't think you can shoot and then on top of that he was really their only player this year so he was just shooting whenever because whenever he was scoring they're playing well So he did take a lot of shots, and that's what led to his lower field goal percentage. But he developed a nice step back, and he was hitting shots. And his three-pointers, people were comparing him to Harden or Depot with his little step backs. So his three-point shot will be there. It needs a little bit of work, but he should be able to transfer that over to the next level. So one thing about Him scoring is Georgia was six and three when he had 24 plus, and they were 10 and 13 when he had under 24. So they went 16 and 16 on the year. So whenever he had 24 points or more, they usually won. So that was why he was taking a lot of shots and was he was just a key part of their offense and was really their only good player. So they had to go to him a lot, which led to some of his percentages being a little bit lower than what you would expect. So one thing people like to talk about is his lack of defensive prowess, I guess. And, um, that could be a cause for concern, but people compare it to two different players from what I've seen on YouTube and the different things that I've been reading. And he could either go one of two ways. He could end up like Andrew Wiggins, who people had questions about his defense and he just really didn't develop his defense and really didn't do much to change that side of the ball. So then he turned into just a shooter that really can't play defense, or he could go in the other direction, which is Ben Simmons where Simmons had some questions over his defense in college, but now he was first-team all-NBA defense. So with Edwards, it could go either way. I personally think that it will depend on where he lands. If he lands with a team that emphasizes defense, then I think that his defense will develop. But if he lands on a team that's mostly focused on his offensive abilities and wants to just develop those offensive skills, then maybe his defense won't come along as, as much as we would hope for. So I think Edwards will probably be the number one pick in this draft. If he's not, then he'll go number two. I think it's between him and Wiseman, whether they go number one or number two. So look out for Anthony Edwards in this draft. I personally think he's going to be a stud just from what I've seen on YouTube and watching him at Georgia. So he looks like he's going to be a great player. He's a big body. He's super athletic as long as he can stay healthy and develop some defense and a a little bit better of a three point shot then he could be a superstar in this league. So we got a great show for you guys today. We're going to continue on to NFL Week 8 review where I've got some winners and losers of the week. We're going to wrap up the Week 8 review with my Best Bets review and my pick-ems from the week. And then we're going to wrap up the show with TV time where I've decided that on every Tuesday, we are going to break down the latest episode of The Mandalorian. So I'm excited to start talking about Season 2 of The Mandalorian. And we had a great week of football, so let's get to some NFL Week 8 action. We're going to kick off the Week 8 review with my Losers of the Week. So up first on my Losers of the Week is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers lost to the Broncos 31-30. to So my money line pick of the Chargers is a loser, as well as my spread pick of Chargers, minus 3.5. Coming out of this game, Denver improves to 3-4, and four, while the Chargers fall to 2-5. and five. So Denver got, uh, got out early in this one, going up 3-0, but about halfway through the second quarter, Justin Herbert started to turn it on. He led the Chargers to two touchdown drives to close out the half with a 14-3 lead. They then kicked off the second half by getting a touchdown, forcing a punt, and getting another field goal to push their lead to 24-3. to And that's when things went bad for the Chargers. So the Broncos scored two more touchdowns before giving up a field goal to now have the Chargers leading 27-17. Then the Broncos scored again, and the chargers got another field goal so now the score was 30 to 24 giving the broncos one final drive to come down and win the game or tie it so drew Locke led them all the way down the field and he threw one to the back of the end zone to no offense with about one second left and it got like deflected and then they called a pass interference so then the broncos had one more shot with one second left pretty close to the end zone i can't remember exactly where the spot was and Drew Locke rolled out to the right and found a KJ Hamler in like the edge of the end zone. And he got his butt down and they scored and they kicked the extra point for the win. So it was a really exciting finish to see the Broncos come down and win like that. Uh, really screwed over my bets. I had the chargers in a few different bets. So really fucked me. Um, so the chargers are my losers this week because they blew a 21 point lead. They had this game in their hands and all they needed to do was just play good football. and score some points and get some stops and they couldn't do it. So they blew a 21 point lead and that's why they're one of my losers this week. So let's move on to fantasy. My stardom this week for Denver is Philip Lindsay. He had six carries for 83 yards and a touchdown and one catch for three yards. My sit him this week was Melvin Gordon. It seemed like Philip Lindsay had more of the like breakout plays this week, but Gordon this week had eight carries for 26 yards and six catches for 21 yards. My him this week for the Chargers is going to be Keenan Allen. He had nine catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. And my sit him this week for the Chargers is going to be Joshua Kelly. He had seven carries for 32 yards and one catch for negative seven yards. My next loser of the week is the New York Jets. The Jets lost to the Chiefs 35-9, so my money line pick of the Chiefs and my spread pick of Chiefs minus 19 and a half are both winners. The Chiefs improved to seven and one while the Jets fall to 0-8. Chiefs took the lead early in this one and never really looked back. They led 21-9 at the half and then scored two more touchdowns in the second half to make the final score 35 to 9. Jets really didn't put up much of a fight in this one, and they continue their fall to the number one pick and are still the only winless team in the league. So that's why they are my losers this week. There's not really much more to say than the Chiefs were good and the Jets were not. So my stardom this week for the Chiefs is going to be Patrick Mahomes. He had 416 yards and five touchdowns. And my sit him this week is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He had six carries for 21 yards and three catches for 10 yards. My stardom this week for the Jets is Braxton Berrios. He had eight catches for 34 yards. And my sitem this week for the Jets is Sam Darnold. He had 133 yards and four rushes for 21 yards. My last loser of the week is going to be the New England Patriots. They lost to the Bills in this one 24-21. So my money line pick of Bills is a winner, as well as my spread pick of or well, oops, I'm sorry. My spread pick of the Bills minus three and a half is a loser. Bills improved to six and two while the Pats fall to two and five. So the Bills got up in early early in this one and then really had to hold on to their lead to get the win late. So they led 7-6 to six at the half and then 14-6 after scoring a touchdown on the opening drive of the second half. But the Pats responded a few drives later with a touchdown to tie it at 14 before the Bills got another touchdown to take a 21-14 to 14 lead. But that lead did not last very long as on the very next drive, Cam led the Pats down for another touchdown to tie it at 21. So then the bills drove down, they got into range to get into the end zone and they threw one into the end zone, but it slipped through one of their receiver's hands and they were forced to kick a field goal to go up 21 or 24-21. So that led Cam to have one final drive that was going to be the game winning or game tying drive whether they got into the end zone or got into field goal range and they were driving down the field and Cam ran a rushing play and it got punched out, he fumbled. Bills recovered and ran out the clock for the win. So the Pats are one of my losers this week because of Cam's big-time fumble in a big-time situation and just because the fact they just haven't been good the last few weeks and they really just need to figure out how to stop their little slide here. Falling to 2-5, and especially in the AFC East, that isn't particularly strong is not good for them. So that's why they're my losers this week. Bills didn't even really look particularly great either. So my stardom this week for the Bills is going to be Zach Moss. He had 14 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns. My sit him this week is going to be John Brown. He had one catch for 21 yards. He was only targeted twice. My stardom this week for New England is going to be Cam Newton. He had 174 yards and nine rushes for 54 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. My sit him this week is going to be James White. He had two carries for zero yards and two catches for 35 yards. Before I move on to winners of the week, I got one game that's kind of an in-between game, and that is the Eagles versus the Cowboys. Eagles won this one 23-9, so my money line pick of Philly is a winner as well as my spread pick of Philly minus 7.5. The Eagles improved to 3-4-1 while Dallas falls to 2-6. So the Cowboys took an early 3-0 lead before Philly got in the end zone to make it 7-3. But the Cowboys closed out the half with two field goals to take a 9-7 lead into the half. To end the third, Philly got another touchdown to take a 15-9 lead. And then in the fourth, they got a controversial fumble return touchdown and then a safety to make the final score 23-9 Eagles. So my loser in this one is Dallas because they continue their slide And they continue to just fall off the map when it was kind of their division to win at the beginning of the season. And I know they lost Dak and they didn't have Andy Dalton, but I mean, they've got a lot of good receivers and Zeke has done nothing the past few weeks. So it's not just their quarterback that's their issue. They'll probably get Dalton back at some point soon. I don't think his concussion will knock him out for the rest of the season. That'd be a long ass concussion, but I mean Zeke needs to step up and do something. He's not doing anything, and it's not like their receivers were a big help. Gallup dropped an easy little dump off pass that Danucci threw. So those guys all just need to step up. Their defense did step up, only holding them to nine points in the or seven points in the first half. That's the best they've done all season. But then, I mean, the offense didn't help them out. But I mean, they weren't going to hold them to seven points the whole game when their defense has been so bad all year. I mean, giving up 23 isn't bad for that defense, but their offense didn't do anything to help. So I think Philly's a winner, though, because even though they it was a pretty sloppy game for them, that they now lead the division, so that's big for them. I think that they're getting healthier and healthier. So for them to be in the lead, they're just going to take control, in my opinion, because they're going to get all their guys back and Wentz is going to have some targets and they'll be ready to go. So that's why the Eagles are a winner, because this was a big one for them. While they're still kind of hurting, they needed to get a nice division win, and they got it. So now they lead the division and are going to get healthy and should be able to hold on and be able to host a home home playoff game, even if they have a losing record. So for fantasy this week, my stardom is for the Eagles is going to be Travis Fulgham. He had six catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. My sit-em for the Eagles this week is going to be Dallas Goddard. He had one catch for 15 yards, and that was his only target. My stardom this week for the Cowboys is going to be their defense. They gave up 15, they gave up 23 points. They had four sacks, two fumble recoveries, and two interceptions. And my sit-em this week is going to be Ezekiel Elliott. He had 19 carries for 63 yards and one catch for 10 yards. We're going to kick off the winners of the week with my first winner of the week, the Colts. Colts got the win over the Lions 41 to 21. So my money line pick of the Colts and my spread pick of the Colts -3 are both winners. Colts improved to 5 and 2 while the Lions fall to 3 and 4. So the Lions led 7-0 after the first quarter in this one, but then Phillip Rivers came to life and had a strong three touchdown second quarter to give the Colts a 20 to 7 lead at the half. The Lions scored a touchdown to open the second half and cut the lead to 20 to 14, but the Colts scored to end the third. And then Matthew Stafford threw a pick six in the fourth to give the Colts a 35 to 14 lead. After the pick six, though, the Lions responded with a touchdown, but the Colts matched for another touchdown to go up 41 to 21. The Colts then forced a turnover on downs and ran out the clock for the win. So they're my winners this week because they had a solid all-around performance, both defensively and offensively. the Rivers actually had a really good day with um, those three touchdowns in third. And then Naheem Hines was great. Jordan Wilkins was really good. So to get those guys having production, Jonathan Taylor wasn't that great, but to have all three of those guys working working on the ground game is, is pretty good. Uh, T.Y. went out with an injury, which really sucks, but They still managed to win, and the defense stepped up. So they're also winners because they now move into a tie for first place with the Titans after the Titans lost to the Bengals. So that's pretty big at 5-2. and Now they're both sitting atop the AFC South. So we'll see what happens in that division between those two teams. It should be a good battle. So for fantasy, my stardom this week for the Colts is going to be Phillip Rivers. He had 262 yards, three touchdowns, and then two rushes for negative two yards. My him this week is T.Y. Hilton. He had two catches for nine yards and then left with a quad injury. So we'll have to see if he's going to be back next week. Probably will be. My him this week for the Lions is going to be Matthew Stafford. He had 336 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, and one rush for 10 yards and a fumble. I think the fumble was on a strip sack. My situm is going to be DeAndre Swift. Him and AP both were pretty bad, but DeAndre Swift had six carries for one yard and three catches for 22 yards. My next winner of the week is the Miami Dolphins. They got the win over the Rams in this one, 28-17. So my money line pick of the Rams and my spread pick of the Rams minus four are both losers. Miami improves to four and three, while the Rams dropped to 5-3. and three. Rams took an early 7-0 lead in this one, but the Dolphins responded with Tua's debut first touchdown pass of his career. Then on the next Rams drive, they fumbled and it was returned for a touchdown. And then after they got the ball back, they punted and the Dolphins returned the punt for a touchdown to take a 21-7 lead. So then to end, out, close out the first half, the Dolphins got another touchdown and the Rams got a field goal, to ha- so the Dolphins held a 20-10 lead at the half. Second half was pretty slow as the Rams only got into the end zone once, and that was the only score of the second half to make the final score. Dolphins 28, Rams 17. So the Dolphins are my winners here because they get a pretty solid win over a pretty good Rams team. The Rams team is one of the top in the NFC right now, and for the Dolphins to beat them is a pretty good win for them. And also, it's nice that Tua gets his first win in his debut, so that's why the Dolphins are winners for me this week. So for fantasy, my stardom this week is going to be Miles Gaskin for the Dolphins. He had 18 carries for 47 yards and a touchdown, as well as three catches for 16 yards. My sit him this week for the Dolphins, even though in his debut they got the win, he didn't have a great day, and that's going to be Tua he had 93 yards for an and one touchdown and two rushes for zero yards and a fumble. My starting him this week for the Rams is Robert Woods. He had seven catches for 85 yards and a touchdown, as well as two carries for nine yards and a touchdown. My sit him this week is Tyler Higbee. He only had two catches for 14 yards. My next winner of the week is the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals got the win over the Titans 31 to 20. So my money line pick of Tennessee is a loser, as well as my spread pick of Tennessee minus six. Cincinnati improves to two, five, and one as the Titans fall to five and two. So this was the Bengals pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the day, along with the Vikings, in my opinion. And they jumped out to a 10-0 lead before Derrick Henry got a touchdown to cut the lead to 10-7. Then to end the first half, Gio Bernard got in the end zone to make it a 17-7 Bengals lead. Then in the fourth quarter, Burrow found Tyler Boyd for another touchdown to put them up 24-7, but the Titans responded with a touchdown that was matched by the Bengals to push their lead to 31-14. Titans scored one more time before forcing the Bengals to punt, but then just didn't have enough time to score again and ended up losing 31-20. So the Bengals are my winners in this one because they got a nice win over uh, AFC, one of the top AFC teams right now, and they did it without Joe Mixon and some of their offensive line. So for Burrow and the boys to figure out a way to win without some of their key pieces is really big, especially this early in his career, and especially with a team that's just like not that great and not that deep. So for the Bengals to get the win is pretty big, and it's a big loss for the Titans as they now fall into a tie for first place with the the Colts as they were kind of in control there. So for fantasy, my stardom for the Bengals is going to be Giovanni Bernard. He had 15 carries for 62 yards, a touchdown and three catches for 16 yards and a touchdown. My sit him this week is AJ green. He had two catches for 19 yards. My stardom this week for Tennessee is going to be Corey Davis. He had eight catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. My sit him this week is Steven Goskowski. He was 0-for-1 from 50-plus and 0-for-1 total, and then 2-for-2 on extra points. My next winner of the week is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. They got the win 28-22 over the Packers, so my money line pick of Packers is a loser, as well as my spread pick of Packers, 6.5. Minnesota improves to 2-5, while the Packers fall to 5-2. So a big day from Dalvin Cook really led Minnesota to the big division win over Green Bay, in Green Bay, which makes it even bigger to win on the road, and that division is huge. So the teams traded touchdowns and had no punts in the first half. They each had two possessions. So it was 14-14 to at the end of the first half. Minnesota got the ball to start the second half, and they scored a touchdown and then forced a Green Bay turnover on downs and then scored another touchdown to go up 28-14 going into the fourth quarter. Packers scored a late touchdown and got the two-point conversion to make it 28-22. They then forced a punt um to get the ball back and have one final game-winning drive, but then Aaron Rodgers was strip-sacked and Minnesota recovered and then that helped them seal the victory. So the Vikings are my winners here for like what I said earlier. Big division win over a division rival, especially on the road and that division can be really tough. So any win they can get in that NFC North division, especially against the Packers who are the best team in that division, is a great win. Um Minnesota just needs to really get back on track and at 2 and 5, it's going to be hard for them to get back in the playoff hunt. So even though it's a nice win for them, I think it's kind of for not, like there's not much that they can do with it. Packers still uh, still their division to lose, but they would have been a, it would have been nice for them to be able to gain another game on the Bears. Now they're only a half game up on the Bears. So tough loss for the Packers, but a nice win for the Vikings to finally get their second win in the season. For fantasy, my stardom for Minnesota this week is going to be Dalvin Cook. Obviously, he had 30 carries for 168 yards and three touchdowns, as well as two catches for 63 yards and a touchdown. My situm this week is Justin Jefferson. He had a s- slow day. He had three catches for 26 yards. My stardom this week for Green Bay is going to be Devontae Adams. He had seven catches for 52 yards and three touchdowns. My sit him this week is going to be Marquise, Valde- Marquise Valdez-Scantling. He had one catch for 19 yards and one rush for four yards. Next up on my winners of the week is the Las Vegas Raiders. They got the win over the Browns 16-6, so my money line pick of the Browns is a loser as well as my spread pick of Browns minus 2.5. Las Vegas improves to 4-3 and three, while the Browns fall to 5-3. and three. So these teams traded field goals in the first half to have the Raiders lead 6-3 at halftime. The Browns got a field goal to start the third quarter after a Jarvis Landry touchdown got overturned to make the score 6-6. The Raiders then responded with a touchdown and then got a field goal in the fourth quarter to make the final score, 16-6. to It was kind of a slow, boring game, but the Raiders are one of my winners this week because they get a nice bounce-back victory over a pretty good Browns team, and they keep themselves in the playoff hunt in the AFC. With a loss falling to 3-4, and four, you're starting to trend towards that territory where you don't want to be in the AFC. There's a lot of good teams this year. I mean, the Browns are in the hunt at 5-3, and three. You got the undefeated Steelers, you got the Ravens, you got the Colts, you got the Titans, you got the Bills. Even the even the Dolphins are now four and three. So they're tied with the Raiders. And then you got the Chiefs. So I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the AFC. So this was a big win for the Raiders, as now they kind of keep pace with all those teams that I just named, including the Browns, and they kind of stay in that playoff hunt. So my fantasy stardom this week for the Raiders is going to be Josh Jacobs. He had three 31 carries for 128 yards my sit-em this week is going to be Henry Ruggs. He had two catches for eight yards and one carry for one yard. My stardom this week for the Browns is going to be nobody. They really didn't have anybody that excelled over their projections or really did anything that was worthy of being a stardom category. So that'll lead to my sit-em, which is three guys. It's Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, and Baker Mayfield. They were all pretty bad this week if you had them on your fantasy teams. Kareem Hunt had 14 carries for 66 yards and 2 catches for 7 yards. Jarvis Landry had 4 catches for 52 yards, and he was targeted 11 times. And Baker had 122 yards and 6 rushes for 29 yards. So those three guys were my sit-ums this week for the Browns. My next winner of the week is the Atlanta Falcons. They got the win 25 to 17 over the Panthers. So my money line pick of the Panthers is a loser, as well as my spread pick of Panthers minus two and a half. Atlanta improves to two and six while the Panthers fall to three and five. So the Falcons closed out a back and forth first half with a touchdown and a field goal drive to take a 16 to 14 lead into the half. The teams traded field goals before Atlanta got into the end zone to close out the third with a 25-17 lead after they missed the extra point. So the Falcons' lead held until the Panthers had one final drive to tie or win the game, but then Teddy threw an interception and the Falcons ran out the clock and got the win. So the Falcons are my winners this week because they didn't blow this game. They almost did. Panthers had one more chance, but they didn't choke away this game and they got the win. So congrats to the Falcons on not choking this one. They now start to move within striking distance of Carolina for third in that division but, I mean, at this point, both of these teams are too far behind, in my opinion. They're not going to catch the Bucks or the Saints. It's just the, the way these teams have been playing, the inconsistency. I mean, I guess Carolina's going to get back McCaffrey, but they're going to be playing for wild cards, and in the NFC, wild cards are not going to come easy. So I think sitting at 2-6 and six and 3-5, and five, both of these teams are kind of done, but the Falcons are my winner this week because they got the win and they didn't choke. So my fantasy this week, my stardom for the Falcons is going to be Julio Jones. He had seven catches for 137 yards. My sit him this week is going to be Calvin Ridley. He had three catches for 42 yards, and then he left with an injury. My sit- stardom this week for the Panthers is going to be Curtis Samuel. He had four catches for 31 yards and a touchdown. He also had three carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. My sit him this week for the Panthers is going to be DJ Moore. He had two catches for 55 yards, and he only had two catches on six targets. My next winner of the week is the Seattle Seahawks. They get the win 37-27 over the 49ers. So my money line pick of Seattle and my spread pick of Seattle minus three are both winners. Seattle improves to 6-1, and one, while San Francisco falls to 4-4. Four and four. Two first half touchdowns from DK Metcalf saw the Seahawks up 13-7 at halftime. And then to start the second half, the Seahawks scored a touchdown. And then on the next kickoff, they forced a fumble and got another one to go up 27-7. They then got a field goal to close out the third quarter with a 30-7 lead. In the fourth quarter, Nick Mullins came in for an injured Jimmy G And he put up three touchdown drives for the Niners while the Seahawks only got one in the fourth quarter, but they still came out on top 37-27 in the victory. So Seattle's my winner this week because they get a nice bounce back win after losing to the Cardinals last week in overtime. And they get a nice win over a division opponent, and that could be helpful for them come the end of the season. That division is going to be tough, so any win they can get over a division opponent is a good win. They also keep pace as one of the top NFC teams, if or the, as the top NFC team, I think. Um, so Seahawks are looking good, and they're looking to make a deep playoff run and hopefully host a couple playoff games at home. So my fantasy stardom this week for Seattle is going to be DK Metcalf. He had 12 catches for 161 yards and two touchdowns. My sit him this week is Tyler Lockett. He had four catches for 33 yards. My stardom this week for the Niners is Brandon Ayuk. He had eight catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. And my sit him this week is Jimmy G. He had 84 yards, an interception, and four rushes for four yards, and then got replaced late after he left with an injury. My next winner of the week is the New Orleans Saints. Saints get the win over the Bears in this one 26-23. So my money line pick of New Orleans is a winner, as well as my spread pick of Chicago plus four. New Orleans improves to five and two while Chicago drops to five and three. So these teams traded field goals in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, Chicago got a touchdown and a field goal before New Orleans got a touchdown to close out the half with the Bears leading 13 to 10. Saints came out in the second half and got two field goals. And a touchdown, and before they got a touchdown to start the fourth quarter. And then the Bears responded in the fourth with a touchdown drive and then a late field goal drive that sent the game into overtime. Then in overtime, both teams got a possession each and they both punted before New Orleans finally drove down and kicked a field goal that gave them a three point victory. So the Saints are winners this week for me because they now keep pace with the Bucs for the top spot in the NFC South, as well as they beat a good NFC opponent. Um, The Bears are near the top right now. They're starting to fade a little bit over the last few weeks, but still getting a win over a team that's up there in the standings right now will give them great position come the end of the season. For fantasy, my stardom this week for New Orleans is Alvin Kamara. He had 12 carries for 67 yards and 9 catches for 96 yards. My sit him this week is Latavius Murray. He had 8 carries for 17 yards and 3 catches for 14 yards. My stardom this week for the Bears is Allen Robinson. He had 6 catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. My sit him this week for the Bears is Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. He had 2 catches for 13 yards. My next winner of the week is actually both teams and that is the Giants and the Bucks. So the Bucks got the win on Monday night football 25 to 23. So my money line pick of Tampa Bay is a winner, but my spread pick of Tampa Bay -10 and a half is a loser. Tampa Bay improves to 5 and 2 while the Giants fall to 1 and 7. So this one was actually a pretty exciting game. The Bucks went up 3-0 to start this one before the Giants scored 14 unanswered points to go up 14-3. Bucks got a field goal to end the first half at 14 to 6. They were down. They started off the second half by getting 9 unanswered points after failing a two-point attempt to take a 15-14 lead, but the Giants reclaimed the lead with a field goal. But then Daniel Jones threw an interception on their next drive that led to a Bucks touchdown which gave them back the lead 22 to 17. They then kind of traded punts and the Bucs ended their final drive with a field goal. They were hoping to get a touchdown and seal the game but had to settle for a field goal giving them a 25-17 lead and Daniel Jones and the Giants one more chance to send the game into overtime. So Daniel Jones took him all the way down the field. He made a lot of great plays with his arm and with his legs, and then he finally threw a dime pass to the back of the end zone for a touchdown to cut the lead to two. They went for two, and he threw this like out route to Deion Lewis, but he just threw it a little bit behind Lewis, and it got deflected and broken up, and there was a pass interference. or Well, there was a flag out that was gonna be pass interference, but they decided to just pick it up. So then the Giants had to kick an onside kick and the Bucs recovered and they won the game. So I think both teams are winners here because the Giants really hung tough with one of the best teams in the NFC. I mean the Bucks are five and two and they're sitting at the top of the NFC South and near the top of the NFC as a whole. So for the Giants to hang tough with them is a pretty good outing and honestly Daniel Jones looked pretty good. So I mean, it was a pretty good game for the Giants, so I can't knock them as a loser. I think that they were a winner just as much as the Bucs were winners because the Bucs are winners in this one because they got another win. I mean, any win when you're competing with the Saints for that division and in the NFC where you've got the Seahawks and the Packers and the Bears and uh, the Cardinals and the Niners and the Rams, like all these teams are really good. So for them to just get any win against an NFC team is good. It it was a little wary that they – only edged one out against the Giants, but for now they stay on top of the division. So that's a big win, but the Giants are also winners because they hung tough with a really good Bucks team. So it was a really exciting Monday night football game came down to some of the final plays and Bucks just pulled it out. They just had a better game. So moving on to fantasy, my stardom this week for the Bucks is going to be Tom Brady. He had 279 yards, two touchdowns and one rush for negative one yards my sit him this week is Ronald Jones. He had 7 carries for 23 yards and 4 catches for 23 yards. My him this week for the Giants is Daniel Jones. He had 256 yards, 2 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, and 3 rushes for 20 yards. My sit him this week for the Giants is going to be Deion Lewis. He had 2 catches for 8 yards and a touchdown, and he had no rushes. My last winner of the week is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got the win over the Ravens 28 to 24. So my money line pick of Pittsburgh is a winner as well as my spread pick of Pittsburgh plus 4. Pittsburgh improves to 7 to 0 while the Ravens fall to 5 and 2. So the Steelers kicked off this one with a pick 6 against Lamar that got them up 7-0 early, but then Baltimore responded with a touchdown drive that tied it at 7. In the second quarter, Baltimore got a touchdown and a field goal to close out the first half with a 17 to 7 lead. To start the second half, the Steelers picked off Lamar again, which led to an Ebron touchdown to cut the lead to 17-14. And then they both traded touchdowns in the third quarter with the Ravens leading 24-21 going into the fourth. The Steelers started off the fourth with a touchdown to go up 28-24, and then they forced a fumble, but off the fumble, it just led to them punting back to the Ravens to give them one final drive to win the game. The Ravens drove all the way down the field, And Lamar Jackson threw one to the end zone as time expired, but it got deflected and Willie Snead kind of got like high load at the same time. And he dropped it as time expired for the Steelers to get a win. So this was an exciting comeback and an exciting finish to the game. Ravens almost got the, pulled the win out at the end. The Ravens defense really held strong and sealed it for them. So the Steelers are my winners this week because they remain the only undefeated team in the NFL and they beat one of, the best other AFC teams. I think the only other team that can be up there with those two is the chiefs. So big win for the Steelers, big division, win. big conference win. So the Steelers have now set themselves up to be one of the top seeds in the AFC come playoff time. So for fantasy, my stardom for the Steelers is going to be big Ben Roethlisberger. He had 182 yards and two touchdowns. My sit him this week is going to be Deontay Johnson. He had one catch for six yards, my start him this week for the Ravens is going to be Willie Snead. He had five catches for 106 yards. My sit him this week is going to be Marquise Brown. He had one catch for three yards and a touchdown. He was only targeted twice. So I know he was complaining about that afterwards. So hopefully next week he can bounce back and get some more targets. I'm going to cap off the week eight review with going over my pickums and my best bets from last week. So we'll start with my pickums. My money line picks this week went 8-6, and pushing my total to 57, 28, and 1. My spread picks this week were 6-8, and pushing my total to 47, 38, and 1. So being over 500 is pretty good when I'm picking every single NFL game. So didn't do that great this week, but overall we're still looking pretty good. So I'm hoping that you guys are using those to make some money. So now let's move on to my best bets where all of them lost this week. So they, I guess they weren't the best bets. So we'll kick it off with my one o'clock parlay, which was a loser. That one was Green Bay money line, Tennessee money line, Indy money line, and the Rams money line. The only winner in that parlay was the Colts. So that's why that was a loser. Next up was my four o'clock parlay. This was New Orleans money line, Seattle money line, and the Chargers money line. The Chargers are losers there. So that's why that one was a loser. Next up is my full slate parlay. This one was Indy money line, Green Bay money line, Buffalo money line, Kansas City money line, Tennessee money line, and Tampa Bay money line. Tennessee and Green Bay were losers this week, so that one was a loser as well. Next up was my lock parlay. Funny, it was a loser. It's supposed to be a lock. That was Tennessee money line, Kansas City money line, Green Bay money line, and Tampa Bay money line. So Green Bay and Tennessee both losing creates that one a loser. The last one was my wild full slate parlay and this one was Indy money line, Rams money line, Green Bay money line, Buffalo money line, Kansas City money line, Tennessee money line, Chargers money line, New Orleans money line and Seattle Seattle money line and Tampa Bay money line. Obviously Tennessee, the Chargers, the Rams and Green Bay all lost so that one was a loser. So I hope you guys didn't use my best bets this week because they were not very good. So that'll wrap up week eight. We'll now move on to a little TV time. On this episode of TV time, I have decided that I'm going to do a breakdown and review of the Mandalorian season two, episode one. So I've decided that on every Tuesday until the mandalorian season two is over i'm just going to do a breakdown of the episodes just so if you want to watch along with me it'll be a little short thing at the end well maybe not so short but it'll be at the end of every episode of my podcast on tuesdays we'll break down the mandalorian so if you have not watched up to and through season two episode one of the mandalorian this is your spoiler warning so the pod's over for for you if if you have not watched the Mandalorian yet. We will have a new episode on Thursday and we'll have episode two of the Dexter rewatch podcast drop on Friday. So be ready for those. So this is the final spoiler warning. If you do not want to listen to this or have not seen Mandalorian season two, episode one, please leave now. Okay. So a little quick, short recap. So at the end of last season, the Mandalorian was tasked with returning baby Yoda, back to his kind and that could be taken in a couple different ways so it could mean that he's trying to get baby yoda back to people like yoda or he's trying to find some jedi and it seems like he is on the path to trying to find some jedi so season two kicks off with mando and baby yoda going to find some more mandalorians that will help them find some jedi and they end up at this fighting ring so, Mando finds the guy that's one of the heads at the fighting ring, and he offers to pay him to help him find some other Mandalorians that could lead him to some Jedi. And instead, the guy wants his Baskar, and he says no. So they turn on him. And that's when he activates his little whistling bird explosives that he got from last season. And Baby Yoda, like little cute, like taps the little button and his little dome closes. And then that's when all the explosives fire off and they explode on all the attackers. And that's when Mando just beats the crap out of all of them. And then he chases that main guy out and he hangs him from a light post. And the guy tells him to go to Tatooine. And that's where he'll find the Mandalorian. So then him and Baby Yoda leave and they start to head to, to Tatooine as the guy gets eaten alive by some wild animals. I'm not really sure what they were. Look like some like rabid wolves alien wolf things you know star wars so they land in the bay where they were last season with that lady i'm blanking on her name and um she loans mando her speeder bike to go search for the other mandalorian so he finally finds a town and when he enters this town everybody's just kind of looking at him weird and he enters a bar and asks the bartender if he knows about any Mandalorians that have been in that town. And that's when another Mandalorian comes in dressed in a green helmet and armor. And he sits down and gets some shots and removes his helmet, revealing that he's not actually a Mandalorian and that it is actually Cobb Vanth. So Cobb Vanth says that he bought the armor off of some Jawas and that he used it to, help keep people out of the town so Mando wants the armor back from Cobb Vanth and tells Cobb Vanth that he'll help him defeat this gigantic crate dragon that keeps tormenting the town and eating all of their yaks or whatever those things are called and so the Mandalorian agrees and they decide that they are going to go kill the crate dragon so they go on these on their speeders and they drive out to go see where the dragon's cave is. Cobb Vanth knows where it is. And while they're on their way to go find the dragon, Cobb Vanth kind of gives him his background a little bit. So Cobb Vanth tells him that after the second death star was destroyed, the miners from the town over uh, encroached in on their town and killed a bunch of people and kind of just started ruling over the town. But Cobb mantha escaped from the town as they were taking over with some crystals. And then he ended up wandering the desert for a bunch of days. And then he was finally found by the Jawas who like fed him and gave him water. And then they really badly wanted his crystals so they were willing to trade whatever for it. And so he traded them the crystals for the mandalorian armor so that was kind of Cobb Vanth's back backstory there he got his mando armor from some jawas it's still unsure how the jawas got the got the mando armor but somehow the jawas had some mando armor so then they're going through the mountains and they encounter some sand raiders but mando can speak whatever the language is so They end up teaming up and they all want to end up killing the crate Dragon together. So then they talk overnight with the Sand People and the Sand People kind of tell them how they can kill the Dragon. And they decide that they're going to need more people to kill the Dragon. So they go back into the town and they gather up all the people and tell them that they need to put aside their differences and work with the Sand People so that they can all stop getting tormented by the crate Dragon. So then everybody decides that they're going to put aside their differences and they team up and they make their way out to the dragon's cave where they plant some explosives outside the cave so that the dragon will come out and they can blow it up from underneath. And then so they go and they wake up the dragon and it comes out and it eats up some of the sand people that went to go like wake it up. And then it starts to retreat back into the cave but then they finally like shoot at it and chase it out of the cave and get it over the explosives and then they light up the explosives, but it doesn't work. So then they kind of have to improvise. So then Mando ends up getting swallowed up by the dragon with this like yak that has some explosives on it. And then next thing you know, like you see the Jaws of the dragon open up, and Mando's like using his like electric little saber thing to shock his way out of the mouth. And then, as he flies out of the mouth with the jetpack, he hits the detonator, and it blows up the dragon from the inside. And then the dragon dies. So it's a pretty sweet scene with Mando flying out of the mouth, and then it blows up from behind him. So then, Mando collects his armor from the armor that he was, the Mando armor from Cobb Vanth and leaves as the sand people find a pearl that they like cheer about inside the dragon. And then as Mando rides off on his speeder, we see a figure looking over them in in the distance, and then it turns and it looks like Boba Fett. So we got a nice little Boba Fett teaser to end the first episode. So it was a pretty wild first episode from him fighting all those people in that fighting ring to then them taking on that crate dragon that spits acid oh yeah i forgot to mention the dragon spits acid just out of nowhere just started throwing acid at everybody um so that was pretty cool it was a pretty crazy episode a really nice way to kick it off with a with a 52 minute episode it's a great length it really set up a lot of i i don't know if it really i couldn't tell if it set up a lot of what's going to happen this season or if it set up a lot of what's going to happen for the next few episodes so couple of my takeaways is i'm not really sure what mando's gonna do with that armor like what's he gonna do melt it down and create some more armor for himself it's not really baskar so it's not as powerful as the armor he has so i'm not sure what he's gonna do with it like i understand that as a mandalorian like you can claim back that armor from somebody who's not a mandalorian but still just don't understand what he's going to do with that armor So then the next question is is boba gonna try to take it back from him like i personally think he's gonna end up bumping into Boba in the next episode. but I mean, is is it gonna be like a confrontational, like, give me my armor back or is it gonna be like a friendly like you help me, I'll give you your armor back type thing. So that's one thing we'll have to look out for is if Boba is gonna be confrontational towards Mando or if he's gonna be pretty friendly and nice and they're gonna work together. So I'll finish up with a few Easter eggs that I've seen in the episode and things that I've seen on YouTube and, just reading about the first episode of the season. So we'll start off with my first Easter egg. The first Easter egg I thought was pretty cool. It's Cobb Vanth's speeder. It was actually a part made from a part of Anakin's racer from episode one. So if you notice the, the part that Cobb is riding on really looks like one of the wings of Anakin's pod racer from episode one when he was in the, the pod race. So the next the next one is we aren't sure how the Jawas got the Mandalorian armor, but we assume that Boba sold it to them. So I guess in the comics or in the books, Boba Fett escapes from the Sarlacc pit and sells his armor to the Jawas and just becomes like a normal sand person. So we'll see we'll see what happens with that if we see Boba and he tells us about how he gave up his armor and how he escaped the Sarlacc pit. So the next one is the pearl that the sand people found in the crate dragon. Apparently, in one of the video games, you can use that pearl from the dragon to create a lightsaber. I guess there might be a kyber crystal on the inside, so that'd be pretty cool if we come back to that, or if it ties into how any of the lightsabers that we've already seen have been made. Maybe even Rey's lightsaber at the end of uh, episode nine. Maybe that's how she got the orange, which from the kyber crystal crystal from this crate dragon that'd be pretty cool tie into the new um movies so then there was a mention that the crate dragon is in an abandoned sarlacc pit cave so from that we can assume that the crate dragon came in and ate the sarlacc the sarlacc and then since the sarlacc was still digesting boba for like ever and ever that that's how boba escaped was from when the dragon ate the sarlacc and then i guess regurgitated up boba or he somehow escaped after slipping out of the sarlacc i'm not really sure so then at the end we see boba and you can tell it was boba because he was all scarred up and looked like he'd been ingested by the sarlacc for years so i guess hopefully in the next episode we'll find out more about boba or maybe in the next few episodes we'll find out more about boba and see if boba can help lead mando to some jedis or I'm kind of interested just to see how Boba escaped the Sarlacc pit because that's like one of the like most iconic scenes in those movies is when Boba Fett gets shot into the Sarlacc pit and gets eaten up. So for him to be back is going to be pretty cool. So I'm really excited for the rest of season two of The Mandalorian. It was a great season one, and we'll have season or episode two coming out on Friday, and then we will review episode two on Tuesday's pod next week. So that'll wrap up the show today. I hope you guys enjoyed all the NFL talk and a little pre draft, Anthony Edwards. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode with some NFL Week Nine preview and another episode of TV Time. So, with that, enjoy today, guys. Peace. <laughs>